So in 2023, I want to be able to improve those skills. And thinking back to a couple of previous guests, uh, since I was really struggling a lot with being able to, to kind of figure out a lot of it, I remembered that Brad Collins told us in episode 252, everything is figure outable. And I thought, I absolutely can figure it out by acknowledging that everything is, is figure outable. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Josh. How are you? Doing well. How is your 2023 going so far? So far, it's pretty fantastic. Yes, so glad to hear that. Yes, starting <laughs> off the year right. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. How about you? How about you? 2023 starting off for you. Starting off, you know, starting off strong. I, so far, I have exercised every single day this year, <laughs> uh, which at the time of this recording would be three days in a row. So okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if we keep that streak going. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for a, a pretty, pretty exciting and, and adventurous year. So what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's only, like you said, three days old uh, to this point. I'm, I may be taking more of the slow ramp up um, approach to 2023 rather than, you know, some people, like you said, you, you've exercised three days in a row. Um, I've done a little bit of exercise that has been part of my, my new goal for the year. Um, but I think part of me was really enjoying sort of the downtime that I had over the holidays. And, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of what we do, you know, it's, it's a break time and there's a lot of people that are, you know, they, they kind of close down a little bit before Christmas, even if their business is still going they're they're kind of closing things out and not thinking too, too much about 2023 yet. And then, you know, once the, once the calendar turns, now things are starting to ramp up a little bit and starting to talk more about, to people about, you know, coming to see them and do those kind of things. So um, kind of a, kind of a slow ramp up into 2023 for me so far. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that uh, I, I also had some downtime and some, I would say some calm and relaxation the last week of the year, which is actually pretty abnormal for me. And I think it, it probably dates back to working, living and working in Orlando, where, it, I mean, you remember that last week of the year is always just the, I mean, it's the absolute busiest visitation wise. And I feel like it's always go, go, go. And I feel like I've always been hardwired of like, all right, this is the week, the whole world's on vacation. So I'm even, even working from home, even if I, if I don't actually have meetings set up of like, all right, I'm going to be so productive this week. And I, and then uh, my daycare announced that they were going to be shut down between Christmas and new year's. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to take that week off. There you go. So Perfect. It was it was pretty nice. I think uh, I, I think Jacob, my my toddler, he got bored a couple of times. Or you know, we had a, a pretty big snowstorm that came in, kept us inside for you know a couple of days in a row. But uh, you know, but we we managed, and uh, you know, we had some nice, just good family time. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope that family time continues uh, throughout 2023, right? It can't, <laughs> can't be all work. All work and no play makes Josh a dull boy, makes Very him true. a dull boy. So we definitely don't want to do that. Um, but we do have some goals that we want to talk about, right? Some things that, you know, as we have done for the past couple of years, we turn this into our resolutionary episode. And we talk about some of the things that we are looking forward to do to, to doing over the year. Not necessarily resolutions, but goals. Yeah. By the way, did we make up the word resolutionary? That's a great question. We may have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we came up with it one day. And this is, let's see, we started the podcast in 2017. So we went in 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22. This is our sixth annual resolutionary episode. Bam. Bam. That's consistency for you. Uh, even if we didn't make it up, we've probably used it most. That's true. Let's say that. Yeah. We, we can say and that. I, and I love that we have, that this is always either the first or at least one of the first episodes that we do every single year. Nobody asked for this. We we decide we're we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about goals, and we've always taken a little bit of a different spin on it. Whether we've just talked about what it is that we're going to do. I think a couple of years ago we did guidance for the industry on on what your goals should be. Uh, a couple of years ago we opened up the speak pipe. We asked everyone to submit what what theirs uh, what their goals were for you know for the following year. Um, and last year we collected four forecasts. That would probably yeah. be a good time. We should, we should review what those forecasts were. See if they see they if they came through. Yeah, forecast for twenty twenty two. Yeah, right. go, go back check it check it out. Go back uh, you know fifty three <laughs> fifty three or so episodes <laughs> into that one. But uh, uh, this year, uh, just like every other year, we have found a unique spin to put on our resolutionary episode. And what we've done is we've come up with some goals for ourselves for the following year in twenty twenty three. So we'll have to follow up with this and, you know, in, in 52 episodes from now. Uh, but we are using many of the guests and particularly advice that they've given throughout 2022. So we went back for the past year uh, for all of the interviews that we did uh, and pulled out some pretty remarkable advice that's going to tie into our goals and also talk about how uh, we can use that, you can use that to uh, to fuel your goals and your resolutions for 2023, because uh, you know we've we've had no shortage of great advice and and great insights given by all of the past guests and frankly future guests on the podcast, and we uh, thought we had a really good opportunity to really call back to many of the interviews that we did in the last year. And I have to say, this exercise has been really cool because you know a lot of times. We're very busy and we do an episode and we put it up and then we're on to the next episode. And by the way, our day jobs and our lives and all those type of things. So um, it's fun to go back and, and revisit them. It's also fun to go back and look specifically at what people were saying and the advice and the context in which that advice was given. But also, I mean, so much of it, as we talk about with, with our desire for the podcast is really evergreen. Mm -hmm. And what was funny is, you even said, let's let's put some guide rails on this. Let's make it just about the people that we talked to in 2022. But I had already started going back even further. And like some of our even first episodes, I'm like, well, this person said something that was really cool. And I could use that even now. So I think that's something that I recognized as being unique uh, about some of the, the guests that we've had is that a lot of the things they've said really do still ring true today. 100%. 100% uh, use the word evergreen. And that's that's been our goal from the beginning. So if you go back to those 
early episodes in 2017. As, as long as you can forgive a couple of novice podcasters trying to find their groove there, uh, you'll find a lot of a lot of great wisdom right from the start. Exactly, exactly. So should we go ahead and jump in? Absolutely. So we have both uh, compiled a few goals for ourselves uh, for 2023 and uh, are going to be able to reference several previous podcast guests into how we are going to use their advice to achieve our goals. Do you want to jump into it with your, your first 2023 goal? I would be happy to. Um, And what was interesting is, you know, we shared these with each other and a couple of them were overlaps. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple of them, uh, we both said this was really great advice and really um, touches on the goals that we want to um, we want to pursue. My first one actually comes from John Penny from Black Dog Advertising. Um, And one of the things that he said was. Um, talk, he talked about staying on the edge. Now, from an advertising perspective, of course, you want to stay on the edge. You want to be on the leading edge of how you're going to interact with your guests and how you're going to get the word out, how you're going to tell your story. Um, I can't tell you how many times when I go back and look at those feature images, the word story is in there, right? A lot of, <laughs> a lot of people talk about story, which is great, and storytelling. Um, but what I take this to mean for me, and one of the things that was really on my mind to do throughout um, this coming year was really focused on continual improvement for myself. Right. And we both work in an, in an, in a space where we're helping other people get better at things. Right. And absolutely. That is my, that is my passion, but I also want to make sure that I'm staying on the edge of my own, um, ability. So when you think about, getting complacent. I definitely don't want to do that. I don't want to just sit back and say, well, I've been successful in the last couple of years, and this is how I've been successful. So I'm going to keep doing that same thing in 2023 and hope that that continues my success. So thinking about what John says is staying on the edge. One of the things that I really want to do is call out to people more and ask what is it that I can do? How can I better serve, you know, the industry or a particular group or a particular individual or my clients? Because a lot of times what I found is by asking that question, I get input that I never would have thought of myself, right? Mm-hmm. I also want to do things, you know, like I've done in the past where I, I'm listening to other podcasts, not just ours, but listen to other ones, you know, looking up things that I can do better for myself, how I can be a better coach, a better trainer, a better um, you know, client representative, all those things I want to continually get better at, even if it's a little bit at a time, I want to try and take that to the next level. So that's the advice that I'm taking from him to, to stay on the edge. I don't want to get complacent. I want to continually improve what I'm doing to help other people. Nice. Do you have any examples or skill sets that you think you'd be able to apply this to? A couple, yeah, and and a couple of that that I've already um, kind of set in motion. So you know about my POC University YO University program that I started a few years ago, and I'll be honest, when I started that, I really didn't know how it was going to turn out and what it was going to turn into. Um, but I've really started to think about what I want that to look like in the next couple of years, and I actually was talking to my wife about it. Um, uh, just a couple of days ago. And she says, well, what do you want it to look like in five years? And I hadn't really thought that far ahead with that program, but that really got me thinking about how I'm going to position it to be successful in the next couple of years, what mm-hmm. I need to change in that program, how I need to you know, understand what has been successful, what hasn't been successful, and apply that to that particular uh, program. Also, 
in a recent call with them, I asked them, I asked the members, what could we do differently? And, you know, there was great advice about, you know, engaging with not young professionals, but early professionals. We, we kind of came to that distinction, right? You know, because there's some people that are early in their career may not fall into the young professionals category, but early in their career in terms of their abilities and their and their skill set that maybe we could do some more outreach to. Um, finding other ways to get more people involved and also um, taking taking what I would say the curriculum to the next level, right, was some of the other feedback that we got. So um, already I'm, I'm trying to, you know, access the people that have the, the thoughts about that, the input about that, so that I can use that to make that better in the future. That's awesome. And, and what I love about that, and kind of think one of the overarching messages is that uh, you're acknowledging that complacency does not lead to growth. It leads to either stagnation or even decline. And looking at what John Penny said about staying on the edge is that, you know, you use, you know, your POC university as an example, the world around you is changing, whether you're influencing university or not, or in, in the changes that you're making. So changes are happening on the outside. What can we do to stay on the edge to make sure that there are changes that show that we're at the forefront? Of, of all of that as well. Yeah. Uh, you also talked about uh, getting feedback from your members, from those who are who are your who are essentially your your customers, right? And say, well, how can this be better? And obviously, that's you know something that that I talk about a lot with guest feedback is what are your guests saying of of what can you do to improve? And are you listening to them and actually making those changes based off of uh, based off of what the people want? So, yeah, awesome. Well, one other thing I would I would add to that because you brought it up is the growth piece of it and how that can be so empowering and engaging. So like I said, over the the, the break, I kind of took a break and there were some things I was thinking about and, and like you, I was like, oh, I can be so productive today. And then I'm going to watch a movie on Netflix or I'm going to hang out with my dog Otis or whatever. Right. And so there wasn't a lot of work done there, but after I asked the group, after I talked to my wife a little bit, after I did a little bit more brainstorming, I just sat down and I know you've had this happen your fingers just fly. Right. And there's just so much that comes out and like all these other ideas start popping, right. All those little synapses start connecting and you start thinking, okay, I got this and I can do this and I can do this. And it's that, that inspiration that comes from, you know, maybe a lot of different input that then come together so that that's how you now continue your growth path. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Complacency will never lead to growth. Um, and it took all those little bits of input to then create the inspiration to to where now I I have a path. And that's really what I was I was hoping to have is some sort of path forward. So it's not just all these nebulous ideas that I'm I'm trying to connect. Now they're at least on paper, in a draft form, they are they're starting to be connected. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you? Let's get let's get your first one. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2022, on my last birthday, which was in June, so right around the middle of the year, uh, my wife got me an electric keyboard for my birthday. Actually, if you're watching on video, there it is in the background right there, sitting against against the wall, against the window. And, uh, and I got a course to learn to play piano online. And I got kicked off, got was, you know, I was really motivated with it and uh, was really excited. And I uh, after I would say like the initial surge, it started to taper off quite a bit. And I realized that I hadn't actually made that much progress. I, I would not be able to say, 
I can play piano. So in 2023, I want to be able to improve those skills. And thinking back to a couple of previous guests, uh, since I was really struggling a lot with being able to, to kind of figure out a lot of it, I remembered that Brad Collins told us in episode 252, everything is figure outable. And I thought, I absolutely can figure it out by acknowledging that everything is, is figure outable. So in the last well, in the last week or so of the year, realizing that, hey, I've got this downtime, I am going to learn how to play Auld Lang Syne before December 31st. So I set the deadline. I said, I cannot do it at all right now. It would, I think it was about a week. So it was right around, right around the 23rd, 24th or so that I said, all right, I am going to take this time and I am going to figure it out. And so I did and started out. It was very hard. I realized I can learn the notes very easily, but the harmonization, which includes a lot of uh, hand coordination, that is really where I was struggling a lot. So I said, no, I am going to get this done by the end of the year. And I would trip up and I would develop some muscle memory and I would play it again. I would trip up again. And thinking back to what Craig Buster told us in episode 227, which was one of our first episodes in, in 2022, uh, talks about learning from failure. And I know, you know, he talked about it from, from the business standpoint and opening this restaurant that, you know, that didn't succeed within the venue and making these changes. And I thought, all right, these failures are microscopic because I can just flip it around and I can just learn from it and I can improve on it. And I did. And when I felt the progress, that fueled my energy. And some of those energies are like late at night. It was like 10, 11 o'clock at night of being like, I can't go to bed until I'm at least going to get to this part of it. Right. I, and I knew I can't just learn the entire song at once, uh, even though Verses, you know, each verse is relatively similar and two and three are almost identical to each other. But <laughs> I realized I'm going to do this in chunks and I'm going to improve more and more every single day until I do it. And on the morning of December 31st, as you saw on pretty much all of my social accounts, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, and Instagram, uh, I shared a 59 second video of me playing the entire song. Uh, what you might not realize just from watching the video is that I sat there and there were a lot of outtakes, probably an hour leading up to that. And I knew it. It was just about being able to hit every single note on the spot. And I think it wasn't a hundred percent perfect, the the final version, but I said, you know what? I said, this is this is as close as I'm gonna get. And I think most people won't notice unless you're a trained musician. <laughs> uh, and that was that was my output from it of saying, okay, this is this is what I'm going to do by the end of the year. This is how I'll measure the success is if I can share a video on social media. Most people I know don't even know that I started playing piano. So it was kind of a shocker for even some family members, which was kind of funny. Yeah. And, uh, and now I think that that really set me up for how I want to continue it in 2023, recognizing that everything is figure outable. And I'm going to fail at it as I learn it. And I'm going to learn from that failure. And the next time I do it, I'm going to improve and build up that muscle memory and be able to become more and more proficient. And I realized it really is more about the journey than the destination. Wow. Yes. And that was a great rendition uh, that you posted. So uh, thank, you. thank you for doing that. That was one. Wonderful. Want to hear it now? No, no we're good. We're good. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll insert it maybe. Okay, uh, sure. <laughs> But here's what I think was so cool about what you just shared, your story, if you will, that there are so many te 
tactical and practical things that you mentioned that you did that anybody can do if they are looking to achieve any kind of goal, right? Um, the first one is that you were very specific about what you wanted to learn. It was a very specific song, right? You had a specific arrangement, you know, so it was, you had a very, very clear target. You also set a deadline, which was really critical. You want to do this specific thing by this deadline. That is critical. Um, you also set micro goals. So I'm just going to learn the verse. I'm going to learn the chorus, you know, and then I'm going to put them together. Um, and then one other thing that kind of happened afterwards, but I hope continues to fuel your, your desire to continue playing piano is telling other people, right? Because now there's other people that can say, hey, Josh, what have you learned now, right? What's your next song? What are you going to be playing for us? When are you going to do a, a piano recital for everybody? When are you going to do your virtual piano recital? Um, so now you've got that much more investment in that process and you know you now know how to go about doing this again exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um and, and that was part of the reason knowing okay if i'm going to share this then i'm subtly kind of saying i know how to play piano if it's posted on social media so it actually does it, it actually gives me a lot more accountability to continue improving learn more songs learn more skills and and continuously improve with incremental improvements. So I think maybe I'll, I'll look towards John Penny uh, in episode 240 to stay on the edge for it. There you go. So yeah. what what is your next song? Do you have one picked out that you're going to learn next? Uh, there are a few Beatles songs that right. uh, that I think go very well on on piano. I think uh, Let It Be is one of them. Hey Jude is is another that, um, you know, I mean, obviously they're, they're fantastic songs and I feel like they're learnable as well. Um, so I think, uh, uh, kind of between those adding a few uh, big Beatles fan regardless. So I think right. that, that no matter what, I'll probably try to add in a few of those and, uh, and then I don't know, I'll take requests. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. You want to throw any in there? Um, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. You as know, long I, as it's not like paradise by the dashboard light or something. Right? Like that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that, that would be a great, um, uh, a great stretch goal. Right. <laughs> um, but what what I what I've heard before is that if you can take the essence of any song and play it on piano or acoustic guitar, right? You know that that is a good sort of universal song that mm -hmm. everybody will will kind of know, and you know it's it's an easily easily recognizable melody and that kind of thing. So you know those Beatles songs are great examples of that, and there's tons of them out there, and not just by the Beatles, but a lot of other artists that um, you could adapt, even if they're not piano songs. You know, you could start adapting those to um, uh, to play. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, hey, we'll we'll see where it takes me. We'll see this is exciting. This is exciting. Yeah. All right. What's your next one? My next one um, actually comes from Andrea Wiles from the DuPage Children's Museum. Um, and she really talked a lot about advocating for children. And it was very inspiring to hear her talk about that, the education of, of children and, you know, not just the fact that the museum is an attraction, but it's also an education um, uh, entity. And I took that in a in a little bit of a different way. Um, I don't deal with children a lot in my in my life in my world, but I do deal with a lot of early or young professionals in the attractions industry, and that's sort of where I took this this um, this inspiration is really advocating for 
for lack of a better term, the next generation of leaders in the attractions industry. And I've I've started doing that a little bit, and I really want to commit to more of this uh, for the coming year. So one of the ways that I've, I've started doing this is I, I put a post out on LinkedIn about people presenting at IAPA. Right, getting new voices to be able to present uh, their their ideas at IAP, and I've had a couple of people reach out to me and say, "Hey, can I get on the phone with you? And can we talk through some different ideas?" And I'm absolutely happy to do that um, because, as much as I love doing it, and I know that you love doing it, you know, we're not going to do it forever, and we've got to continue to cultivate that next generation of people who have great ideas and who can who can be the voice of the of the of the, the, the industry, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, ex- one of the experiences that I had at IAPA that really, um, drove me to kind of this, this thought process and this, this, um, this goal was that I did a session with people from the POC university group, right. And it was all about silos and, you know, the, the, the people in the, in the group got tons of great feedback and it was so great to interact with them and to, and, you know, to see them grow and to see them do this presentation and to see their faces, you know, when they were giving the presentation at the end and all, again, all the great feedback that they got. And I thought, you know, as again, as much as I love to do those presentations, it, it's almost a little bit more rewarding for me to be on this side of it where I'm now helping other people and, you know, they could be the voices, you know, going forward and they could do more presentations and they could, you know, present their ideas to other people and, and really be, you know, amazing influences in this industry. So, you know, that's part of where this advocating for children, advocating for the, the, the newer generation or the younger, uh, younger folks coming up through the industry is figuring out ways that I can help them, you know, get their voice out there or take the next step in their leadership or, you know, put themselves in maybe an uncomfortable position so that they can grow and learn and, and, uh, you know, be, be positive influences in the industry. So that's, that's my second one. Yeah. Well, what I love about it is what you're talking about is making a long lasting impression on the industry using, using the skills your background, your expertise that you have to be able to spur further momentum long after you're no longer in the industry, long after you are speaking at, at IAPA and, and being able to uh, use your leadership skills and even your consulting to help others, you're really kind of taking everything and saying, okay, well, how does, how does this continue on? Right. And that's, that's, you know, any leader's job, right? You have to think about your legacy, right? What what are things going to be like when you're no longer there? And even if you think about in the short term, you think about, okay, I've got a day off this week, right? What are things going to be like when I'm not there? And that's a conversation I've had with a lot of folks. And they're like, you know, well, when we're there, things run smoothly. But when we're not, we hear the horror stories and, you know, all those type of things. So what, what is that, that, that short legacy, I guess, if you could call it, um, that you're creating so that your influence is still felt and people are still rising up to your standards within, you know, a short, uh, short period of time, but then also long-term. And I know you've had this experience and I certainly have when people will come up to you and said, you know, I worked with you 10, 20 years ago, right. And what you said had this kind of impact on me and, that's what I want to make sure that these folks understand is that they have the ability to have that kind of influence and impact on, on other people. And if there's anything 
that we could use more of in this industry and in this world. It's more positivity and more positive influence for people who are, who are, you know, just being genuine and putting themselves out there uh, in order to help other people grow. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are that are like meta here that I'm that I'm thinking about. The first is that you're really talking about practicing what you preach, because what you do for a living is you help organizations develop their leaders to better suit the organization. What you are doing is helping to develop leaders, develop leaders and re- be able to, to branch yourself off uh, so that it, it has the benefit to the industry. I. The other thing too is also that you know you talk about you know, like you just said when when somebody says hey I, I worked with you 10 15 20 years ago and you know and, and you had that impact on me that's something that we all can and should be doing really regardless at at what point of our career we're in uh, you know it's really interesting so I uh, for the time being still qualify as a young professional by <laughs> standards at the time of this recording. Um, it, in 2023, that will expire. I, and I still feel like I, I have the mindset of, I look to, you know, the, the seasoned veterans in the industry who are older than me, who are more experienced than me, who, who can give guidance. And I go to the expo and I see whether it's the ambassadors, whether it's students or whether it's recent graduates, uh, coming up to me and, and actually like saying, saying similar things, whether it's, whether they've listened to attraction pros or whether they've, you know, heard me as a guest on other podcasts or on the guest experience show, or kind of saw me speak or something like that of realizing like, Hey, I did this because of, you know, what, what you said in this session, or because you said in this podcast or, or whatever it was, um, someone even told me just at the most recent expo that the, um, the educational track that they went down was because of a, a podcast that they heard me on two and a half years or so ago. Uh, so things like that, we have this type of influence and we, we probably have a lot more than we realize, uh, but being proactive and and really putting our foot forward towards wanting to plant those seeds towards the future, we might benefit them one day or not, but the industry will. Right. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that goes right along with what you were just talking about is having the confidence to know that you have um, ideas to share. Right. Yeah. And you've got experiences like when you say that you walk into to the expo and or, you know, in, into some place and you're looking for you know, advice from other people. You're the, you're the wide-eyed little kid. So am I. I still feel that way. I've been in the industry for over 30 years and I still feel like, you know, when I go to IAPA, I'm like the little kid with the with the bag and I want to, you know, get as many brochures as I can and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's still me. And for someone to come up to me and ask for advice, you know, that's that's really humbling. I really, I really appreciate that. And I had actually a couple of conversations leading up to the expo and one at the expo about imposter syndrome, which I believe we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. And what was so interesting is that the two people that were talking about it um, both have a lot of experience, you know, just a ton of background and knowledge to share oh. and things like that. And one was like, well, I'm not sure if I should do X, Y, and Z because I don't have enough experience. And I'm like, yes, you do. Like, just look at what you've done and what was so fun. And this is where, you know, kind of the advocating comes from. I went and I found one of the other people that I had this conversation with about imposter syndrome and we had kind of talked through it and worked through it. And I brought her over to talk to the other person that I was just talking to. I'm like, 
you talk to her now because you've been through this and you've, you've done. So, you know, showing the first person that, yes, we talked about it, but now you can lead somebody else through it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's another, another facet of, of leadership when you can not only develop leaders, but you can develop leaders who can lead others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well yeah. said. Cool. Yeah. All right. Number two for you. Okay. So I first mentioned this in our resolutionary episode. I do not remember the year. I think <laughs> it was either 18 or 19. I don't remember which one. Uh, but I said I wanted to take a lot of the things that I'd been compiling uh, as a consultant, leading uh, guest experience workshops, uh, a lot from my educational background in hospitality, both from the undergrad and from the graduate side, and put it all into a practical business book. And even more recently, people have asked me, do you have a book? I'm like, no, not yet. (laughs) Well, I'm pleased to say that in 2023, if all goes well, I'll be getting published. Yes. And my goal is to have a successful book launch. So I think by checking the boxes, I can I can get the book launch, but the word successful is really kind of what I'm what I'm focusing on and trying still working on maybe assigning some tangible metrics to that. I, I think I have some thoughts swirling in my head, but the you know the goal is is for it uh, to be a good book launch. And I I'm thinking back to uh, well two guests who said similar types of concepts in in uh, from their own lens. One being Winston Fisher from episode two thirty four talking about thinking outside the lines, and Sarah Clark from episode two sixty four of thinking outside the box. Similar type of concept, but also uh, about being creative. And it also ties into what Peter Ricci told us in episode 256 of embracing crazy ideas. So I think that there's a lot of traditional type of marketing, traditional type of advertising, traditional types of ways to, to get books published and advertised. And I certainly want to go down all those routes, but I also want to train myself to really think outside the lines, think outside the box. And if there are crazy ideas that either I come up with or come across my way to really embrace them and and consider that for the biggest impact. So I'm a little surprised you didn't mention Eric Fluitt and putting the book in the Pope, you know, in the Pope mobile and driving that around New York. Very true. Um, he was from 2020, but that's even right. that of, yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> that's why you didn't mention him. Okay. That's why. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Eric. So, yeah. So, um, no, I love that. And I remember back when you, this was a, this was a BHAG for you, right? A big, hairy goal. Audacious. Audacious goal, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> to write a book. And I'm so glad that you're, you're following through with this. Um, I actually have a question. So when you talk about the metrics of being a successful book launch, what, is, what are those metrics? What are you thinking that would create a successful launch? Right. And, and I know part of it, would be number of books sold, but I don't know if that, I, I feel like that's more of a vanity metric than anything. I think uh, if I'm able to develop a, a certain audience size that could be tied into whether it's book sales or, you know, a couple that I'll be, you know, giving out, sending to people. Um, if, if there's, if there's an email list that maybe I'll be creating for it, these are all things that, you know, that I'm thinking about. Um, if, uh, it results in people wanting me to come speak to their organization. I consider that, to, uh, you know, for for me, means that the book is going to have impact, um, as well as speaking more at conferences. So it's not just I, I wouldn't say it's just 
sales dollars, but I think really kind of the the peripheral, I don't know, halo effect of everything around that. I know that's kind of a vague answer, but I think I'm still still trying to form my thoughts around it. Absolutely. Well, it's not a vague answer. I mean, it kind of sounds like it, but as someone who is doing that exact same thing, you know, I find that, you know, I'm not getting rich off of book sales, but it's an incredibly powerful way to say, you know, if someone has called me up and said, Hey, we're, we're thinking about, you know, using you for some training and, and things like that. Oh, do you have some of my books? No. Okay. I put them in the mail, they get a free copy, you know, then they can see a tangible, um, tangible proof of my concepts and the things that right. I talked about and things like that. And your so, authority on the subject matter. Exactly. And that book helps you kind of create that calling card uh, for, for that kind of relationship. So um, while, while it doesn't necessarily bring in a, a specific dollar metric, it absolutely helps build your brand um, as a, as a professional. Um, are you, are you willing to, and you can say no, and we can edit this out, but are you willing to, to share a little bit about your book and what you're calling it? Sure. Absolutely. Why not? The book is called The Hospitality Mentality, Creating a Service Culture Through Your Guest Experience. And it is a, I guess you could say a a step-by-step process of going through the guest journey from setting expectations to exceeding expectations and putting a plan in place really towards driving loyalty and doing it through the people element of your business. So is it a book about customer service, guest service, guest experience, hospitality, all that tied into one. I do try to dismiss the term customer service very early on in the book. As you know, I think you've read the first few chapters or so and really reframing the mindset of getting out of the customer service mindset and into the guest experience mindset and what you can do boots on the ground with every interaction with every single one of your guests that you have to be able to take that to the next level and really make a long lasting impact on them. So I have read more than just the first couple of chapters, but okay. um, <laughs> one, of, one of the things I will say for anybody who isn't um, already pulled in by that title and that description um, is that Josh does get really granular. That's, I know that's a term that we use a lot, but he does get very granular in the tactics that you can use. So it's not just, oh, you should have a great customer service, not sorry, customer service, a guest experience program in your facility, but really getting down into the detail of how you can go about doing it and the steps you can take and the way that you can lead your teams and adjust your mindset and the things you can put in place. And, you know, it's it's funny because as I read it, and I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but I'm going to say it anyway. As I read it, of course, I could hear your voice, hmm. you know, almost reading it to me. Um, but I could also, I could see actual um, interactions happening. Like as you would describe, you know, this interaction between, you know, a, a, a customer service, a guest service experience professional and a guest, I could, I could see it happening, right? And what was cool is I could see it happening in the not so great way. Of course, you're describing it in the way that would really, you know, lead to additional sales and more loyalty and those type of things. But I could see it happening in the ho hum. You know, I'm going to write a, you know, a bad review of this place. They're maybe even rude, but I could see the the impact of having those kind of conversations with people 
And I think the, the most recent one I was reading about was upselling, but you'd never call it upselling, right? It was more about having a conversation, meeting someone's need and exceeding what their expectation would be. And oh, by the way, they're probably going to spend more money because right. of that. You know, and so, I drill it down to specifically have chapter five on personalized <laughs> or deliver so, a hyper personalized experience. Can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is that that even thinking back to your your audacious goal in 2018, 2019, taking all of that information and everything that you've learned over the course of your your career, putting it in there and putting it in a way that, you know, it's very relatable, very much um on on um on task for, you know, figuring out if this is what we want people to do, this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate Absolutely. that. I, I look I look forward to getting it in my hands and getting into <laughs> other people's hands as well. So yeah, just uh, you know, shoot me a message if you want a copy. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I want it to be, you know, like we said, as far as, you know, it's, it's not just book sales that, you know, that really make it, uh, make it tangible and, and successful, but really relationship-based is I think probably, uh, probably the biggest, biggest mindset of doing that. And it Excellent. requires thinking outside the lines, outside the box and embracing some crazy ideas. Exactly. Very mm -hmm. good. All good. right. Give us number three. For number you. three for me. Um, I <laughs> I have two inspirations for this one. Dr. Tanya Matthews from the International um, African American Museum and Winston Fisher from Area 15. Same episode that you uh, mentioned. Um, Dr. Tanya Matthews talks about uncomfortable subjects. And of course, Winston talks about, um, you know, getting outside the lines or thinking outside the lines. And one of the things that I enjoy most about what I get to do is talking about uncomfortable subjects. Mm. And when I can get one-on-one -on -one with somebody and we can get really into the weeds about what's happening and what's going on and finding the, the true root cause and be able to connect the dots as far as what's happening over here versus what's happening over there. We connect the dots. We figure out, okay, this is our way forward. This is our path. That is something that that really excites me. That process truly, truly excites me. So um, I want to embrace those uncomfortable topics even more often. But the way to do that might be a little counterintuitive to building building a brand as a speaker, as a trainer and things like that. And one of the, the, the thoughts that I had toward the end of last year was sometimes in order to get big results, you have to go small. And what I mean by that for me personally in my business is that I can speak to 500 people right? I can speak to them for an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is. We'll make it fun. We'll make it interactive. We'll have a good time. We'll play games and all these types of things. We'll cover some really, um, hopefully impactful content and material. Um, but when you have that many people, it's hard sometimes to get to the, the root cause of every single person's issues or to, you know, get drilled down into what's really going on with them. And that's where I found not only for me being sort of a, a, a sweet spot and very, very empowering for me, but also for the for the um, for the coachee, if you will, the the client. Um, I've had many people tell me in those kind of conversations, oh, there's the light bulb moment, right? There's the and I don't know that I get as many of those in a large format 
I still try, right? Still want to, still love doing the large format. But I think to really get to some of those those bigger issues, you do have to go small. You have to get, you know, down to one, two, three people, right? And really focus on what's going on with them because they're going to be much more comfortable talking about kind of their their deep dark secrets and their issues with one person versus in front of 500. Mm. So that so again kind of thinking outside the lines of a scale uh, you know how you scale a business a lot of times people will say you scale bigger right you get bigger how do you and it, maybe this is a little uh, backwards from my first one where I want to, you know, influence more people. But in, in order to really get to the, the heart of the matter with, with folks, I really enjoy that process of diving deep, getting small, having a one-on-one conversation and being able to do that so that we can really help people. I find that in some cases you can get bigger results by going small. For sure. Oh, you, you definitely can. It's the, you know, the inch wide and a mile deep versus the mile wide and an inch deep. And it, there's almost like this required balance between the two of them. And I, I like how you kind of took two, it, like bring up uncomfortable subjects and thinking outside the lines while also talking about scaling down and, and getting small to get big results. Uh, you know, it's interesting, like when we do Attraction Pros Live, we open up the room and we're kind of asking people to say, hey, if if you have deep, dark secrets you want to share, you've got the <laughs> opportunity to do so. We do it without saying that. And we want it. We want to make sure everybody is uncomfortable. Uh, there have been a couple of times where somebody has raised their hand, took the microphone and said something very vulnerable, uh, which frankly, yes, it makes for great podcast content, but it also, you know, it, it, it kind of, it, it shines a light on that individual and it helps them, you know, release what they need to release. But is it also, you know, the best format and whether it's, you know, attraction pros live or even just kind of large speaking gigs or conference sessions where it's, where it's one on many, uh, are there, are there fewer opportunities to get those light bulbs because people might not necessarily be raising their hand to share something uncomfortable. So I, I wonder if there's, if there's a balance of, you know, if, if you did everything one-on-one with every single person that you work with, you would have an immense amount of impact on those people, you would be physically exhausted and drained and probably emotionally exhausted. Well, that's, I mean, that's a therapist, right? I mean, that's basically kind of the, the role of, of a therapist. Uh, while at the same time speaking in front of a, a large number of people, I uh, wonder if there's that opportunity that to be able to, to get those light bulbs to go off and have people be able to internalize something and then maybe they can share with you in a in a private setting, or if they if they need to share at all, if they're at least you know taking it back, um, implementing that, internalizing it, uh, getting the impact that they needed. Uh, but then it would be more difficult to actually measure what those results would look like. Absolutely, um, and it's it's interesting you mentioned that format because that's sort of what I've started to do, um, even in the last couple of years, and I want to continue with this trend is that. For example, uh, in the past, I may have come into a, a an organization and and said, "Let's do a, a full eight hour day session or whatever it is." Right. Um, well, now I break that up and I say, "Let's do a half day session," and then I'll still be on site and I'll do one on ones with anybody who wants to go deeper. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that has been a really powerful formula for people to be able to say, "Okay, we did this in the large session." And I want to go deeper. I want, uh, there's something else I, I need to talk about that's more more of a one-on-one. Um, but I think you you also bring up a good point of balancing, you know, that uncomfortable conversation 
and to be able to have it in a larger group. So part of what I do try to do is create a safe enough space where in a group of 30 or 40 or 50 people that even if they're not willing to say something out in front of everybody, which I totally understand, if they're doing it in a small group and I can set it up so that they are kind of coaching each other and they're bringing up these, these things that they can really get help on and they really need the help, then that's still a very powerful mechanism as well. Um, yeah. So it's finding, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's finding the balance of being able to um, have that kind of influence, uh, but I may need to do it, you know, at times at a, on, a, on a larger scale. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Woo. All right. Number three for you. All right. So my third, as we pull into the finish line here of our goals for 2023. So uh, I had I had a lot planned for this year. Um, I had a, a lot of changes that were coming and uh, all of a sudden those uh, kind of came to a halt. So as my family and I were, you know, we're, we're coping with these changes that have happened and regrouping from it. Uh, the most important thing for 2023 is to really embrace family. And we've had a lot of guests who have talked about that. And even just in the past year, Brian Knobel talked about putting family first in episode 244. Chuck Ray talked about putting family first in 266. Uh, and if we even go back to our final episode of 2021 and want to include Phil Wilson, there, that was a very big part of, of the conversation with Family Matters that he talked about in that interview as well. So putting family first is definitely, uh, it's it's something that I feel has, I've always strived for that to be a, a priority. And I, I feel like I've done a, a good job of it. And in 2023, it's uh, going to take on an, an even greater importance to do it. Uh, and, and the other one that I want to tie in to this one is, was really inspired when Dwan Rivers told us to say yes to opportunity. So I kind of want to blend those together. And I don't think I'm going to do anything as ambitious as uh, as he's done. Not yet. Maybe maybe one day I'll run a marathon in Antarctica or, you know, or, or any of the other crazy things he's done. But even just that mindset of saying yes to opportunity while embracing family taking opportunities to spend more time with family, whether it's through traveling or whether it's doing anything at home or in our city or, or whatever that is, uh, saying yes to opportunity, um, which can also include things for myself as well, uh, which could be could be travel with or without family. It could be greater engagement with the industry uh, or anything else that otherwise uh, would not have been able to do in 2023 that now that uh, my plans have changed significantly that that it has opened up. That's awesome. And I think, you know, anytime that you can put your family first and, um, you know, make that a priority, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's also a challenge, um, mm -hmm. as you will, you know, attest and probably everybody will attest that, you know, saying putting your family first is one thing, but actually taking the taking the steps to do that. I, I know for me, you know, sometimes I'll look at the calendar and it's just my wife and my dog and I, so I don't have children. Um, but, you know, I look at the calendar sometimes and I'm like, I'm going to be gone this entire week or I'm going to be gone for a two week stretch. And is that the life that I want to have with the family? And then of course you balance, well, if I'm traveling, that means I'm working. That means we're eating. So <laughs> There's that part of it, but 
are there different ways to do that? And to your point of saying yes, maybe it's saying yes to a different opportunity. Um, I also think that, I'm, and I'm glad you kind of clarified because I think there can be a, a contradiction of putting family first and saying yes, because a lot of times people will say, well, you're saying yes to all these business opportunities, but not necessarily, right? And I've always believed that when you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. And maybe by saying yes to more time with family, you're saying no to a specific business opportunity or no for right now, or no, we're going to do it in a different way so that I can say yes with my family. So, you know, there's there's lots of different ways, I think, to peel back that onion. Um, uh, and I think you've done a, a really good job of kind of identifying how those two can go together. Well, I appreciate that you pointed out that it, it could be contradictory because I was thinking about that as well. Because I'm like, oh, saying yes to opportunity. It's like, I want to go here. I want to ride this roller coaster. I want to you know, do all of this. But it's, well, wait a minute. These two should be combined so that I am able to balance it. And maybe it is a business opportunity or a conference that requires travel. Is it to a destination that you know that that we could take a family trip to, and you know we we haven't done something, and we've we've done that in you know, little bits and pieces, but but not really. And to see, okay, can we make it work? Can we uh, can we take opportunities together as a family to be able to accomplish both of those? What would be contradictory, but in tandem with each other? Absolutely, absolutely. So, my question, I think, to you then is, with those two goals, family first and saying yes. What is your criteria? You you kind of mentioned that a little bit. Like if it's someplace you can go as a family and then you can say yes to that business opportunity, that's kind of how you'll make that decision. Um, but again, I think some people are gonna are gonna say, well, if I'm saying yes to all these things, I'm saying no to my family and vice versa. So how do you strike that balance? Like as you look forward to 2023 and you've got these two goals, I'm just curious, like practically, tactically, like what is it that's going to go through your mind to help you make those decisions? Yeah, good question. So I think part of it is identifying where the priorities are and identifying where the balance lays. It, if I need to do something for business and travel, say it's for for a conference or for a, a speaking engagement, uh, if I can't tie in my family into, into that opportunity, uh, what am I doing to I would say make make a deposit on the other end of the scale. Is it you know is it something that you know that I can do to be able to do something for my wife? Because if I'm gone, then there's only one parent at home. So being able to um, to kind of balance out the universe in that capacity uh, when those opportunities exist, and and I think that that's also part of saying yes to to the opportunity to to those types of opportunities to be able to. Um, to ensure that my wife can have that same level of balance as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So that's a, that's a good one. I think so too. Thank you. <laughs> good. I think all the ones that we've talked about today, you know, really, at least I hope are things that we can accomplish things that some things are already kind of set into, into motion. Um, but will ultimately make us um, better people in 2023. Exactly, exactly. And, and like we've said at the, at the beginning of the episode that there, we, we've had so many amazing guests, well, not just in 2022, but since 2017. Uh, and really, if you just look back and, and just all the advice, all the insights, all, all the wisdom, uh, it would take, what about 52 hours to really be able to absorb all of it. So I uh, would 
you know, of course you can do that over time if you tune in every <laughs> single week, which I hope you are. Uh, but even just highlighting just a few of, of the top ones like we've done, we can extend it out even further and talk about how Dolph DeYoung talked about ruthless optimism, Lee Cockrell talking about getting out of the village, Dennis Spiegel talking about how the common denominator is to have fun. And how Brad Collins talked about having fun at work. Those two go hand in hand. Hal Mac McAvoy talked about making meaningful connections. Jesse O'Daniel talked about putting your stamp on it. Such a good one. And John Penny, we talked about him earlier, talked about exceeding your goals. Craig Buster talked about create, uh, celebrating the wins. And, and just, you know, everyone has contributed something that we can really take from it and be able to internalize it and implement it in our professional lives and in our personal lives as well. Absolutely. And if any of our listeners have specific things that you've, you know, kind of taken away from one of our, one of our guests or say, that's, that's something that I want to implement. We would love to hear that as well, um, to celebrate the wins that maybe you're having um, as well as you uh, enter into 2023. Please do. Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, we're pretty open on most of the channels that we're on. If you want to email us, attractionpros at gmail.com. Uh, we're on on the main social platform. I shouldn't say the main, like there's, there's main and non-main ones. But we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. One day, maybe we'll be on TikTok. Maybe not. As of right now, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> uh, make sure to you know sign up for our email list where you can get notified of, of new podcast episodes at attractionpros.com slash subscribe. So Matt, this has been uh, just such a great conversation. Uh, can't wait to listen to this again one year from now to, to see how we did, right? And to the next resolutionary episode and just here's to a, a happy and healthy 2023. And for everyone out there who is watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.